Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I am your host with the most, Ken Seymour. Here is your other host, also with the most, somehow inevitably, Richard Geiger. I prefer hostess with the mostess. That that also works. Uh, We are joined again by our good friend, Delvin Cox, from the Delvin Cox Experience. How are you doing, Delvin? I'm doing good, guys. How are you guys doing? Uh, We are fantastic. Doing okay. Hanging in there. Feel, feeling good. Feeling the feeling the burn of watching a three-hour cinematic experience twice in preparation for this episode. Yeah, you snuck it in there a couple days. Yeah, I did. That's good. Watch it twice, yeah. Yeah. So, if it was not obvious as of now, we are going to bring you yet another movie review, this time for Avengers Endgame. Who's excited? I'm always excited, mm, okay. about, especially talk about Avengers. <laughs> well, I, I was definitely excited going into the theater. Now, as always, we're going to begin with a little bit of a spoiler-free idea of how we felt about the film individually, uh, giving a recommendation whether we think that the film should be watched in the theaters, whether you should wait till it's on a streaming service or a Blu-ray or something, or whether you should ignore it altogether. Uh, and then we will plunge into the extremely spoiler-heavy section uh, where we will talk about anything and everything, but we will boil it down to a handful of categories that will assign points, and the points will add up to a total potentially of 100. It hasn't happened yet, but, you know, theoretically, if we see the absolute perfect movie, it will get 100 points. Those categories will be cast, director, costuming and props, Location, cinematography, plot and writing, and a little bonus section in case we want to cheat to get our scores to be where we really think they should be. Mm. Who would I, who would do that? Not I, generally. <laughs> but you know, whatever. It's it's all for fun, right? Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Fun. Well, let's start with our guest. As always, we like to get the outside opinion. You went to see the movie. What's your general impression? How do you think the movie did? I loved it. I think it's the perfect book in to the MCU. Fair enough. Um, it's short. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. I enjoyed the movie. I went into the movie with little to no expectations, um, but with a lot of anticipation. And I was definitely, I'm looking forward to going and watching it one more time. Um, but it was, it was, it was Good. I think I'm less positive on it than what you guys will be, but I, it was good. It was a good movie. This will be an interesting flip flop, I think, because you're much more positive about the previous Avengers films yes. than I was. Um, I I enjoyed it. Um, I I tried to have no expectations. I don't think it's possible going into a film that's had ten years of buildup and twenty one other titles. Hmm, what is that sound? We seem to be experiencing technical difficulties of a carbonated uh, type. Uh, No, no carbonation in that one. No, no carbonation. (laughs) But uh, I I enjoyed it. I think it's one of those films that if you are a comic book movie buff, you have to see this in the the theater. If you are a fan of movies that have a spectacle uh, is what they're trying to present, uh, I'll even use uh, an example of a movie I absolutely ha- <clears throat> absolutely hated that's getting several um, sequels soon, and that being Avatar. 
the type of movie that that is. Because of the spectacle, you should see it in the theater generally if that's the kind of thing you want to see. Well, we were actually at work uh, discussing, not you and I, but some other folks, we were discussing (laughs) Avatar today. Because, yeah, you're you're disdain for the movie. Mm-hmm. but I don't like it either, by the way. Our, our discussion kind of revolved around the money, right? So we're like, well, by the end of this weekend, Avengers is going to hit the $2 billion mark. And the question became, is it going to surpass Avatar as far as earnings go? So that's kind of... It's, I so. Me too. I, I think Avatar had more back-end. Like, it kept up longer than what we're seeing, what we might see with Avengers. And people, I felt, with Avatar still went to see that one multiple times, but they did it six weeks after the movie had been out. And this one is extremely front-loaded with the amount of views that it has had already and will have. So that was just a discussion, like, is this going to, are we going to reach Avatar money on this movie? Maybe, maybe. Well, what what this movie, what this movie lacks that Avatar had is that novel, um, that novel approach to the CGI and that 3D, that newness that it had. But what it has that Avatar does not have is a a back catalog of movies that led up to it that have that people have been following for so long. It's, I think it'll have a similar feel to watching uh, The Return of the King in Lord of the Rings. People saw that many, many times because. It was the end of a journey, and that was only three films. Yeah. And this is a lot more than that. Yeah, I think it has a good chance because of just what you said, the fact that Marvel has been around doing this for 10 years. And there's it's a lot of... And when we get to talking about the movie, we'll get more into that. This basically is a love letter to Marvel fans. Yeah. More yep. or less so. So I, I can see people who even lapsed off of the Marvel Universe because they were like, okay, I like Iron Man, I like this, I like that, but I stopped watching after Ant-Man or whatnot because I just it was too many movies. I can honestly see them coming back just to see the finale. Yeah. And see what happened to their favorite character. So it has so so much going for it to make it actually reach Avatar levels. Yeah. Yeah, I think you. I think you hit it kind of on the head there. So at least two of us are in the theater. Are you in the theater? Oh yeah, definitely. I I think you should go and see this as the kind of the culmination of everything that you may or may not have seen even previous to it. And let's be honest with it. Some of it has the attraction of it being the biggest movie event of this year and in some years, you know, previous too. So like this is a big event. So I, I think that alone will draw people to it. You know, if you saw Infinity Wars, you'll get pretty much all that you would need for this movie. Yeah. There's a, a lot of cool things that happened that showed previous things in previous movies, but if you never saw them, you wouldn't be too left out, I don't no, think. No, not terribly so. I mean, they, they, do, they do good prep. But, uh, okay, so now, before we get any further, <laughs> let's, 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 let's put that little pin in that and yes we're about to head into spoiler territory um if you have not watched the movie first of all i i don't believe that's actually happened anybody's actually going to watch this or listen to this has seen the movie but if somehow you thought you were actually watching or listening to a podcast about pudding and all of the different cooking applications of said pudding and you haven't seen avengers endgame yet you need to stop here 
go watch the movie first or we're going to talk about every single little thing and it will just completely ruin it for you. Yeah. Or, or don't follow LaShawn McCoy on Twitter or <laughs> don't, don't, don't go to YouTube and just see titles of videos on YouTube. So it's it's yeah. hard to not. Out there right now. There's yeah. a lot of think pieces out there about the movie. Yeah, it's it, yeah. Okay, well let, let's we'll we'll get to that. I think we're going to really dig into that. And we normally like to keep these episodes around an hour. If we run long, eh, we run long because yeah. that movie ran long. All right, let's start with the basics. I normally like to get all of my notes about the cast of a movie ahead of time to kind of give an idea to people that are watching the film, what other projects these people have been in, get kind of a context to who the actor or the actress is. Um, Everybody knows everyone that's been in these movies. So I don't think we necessarily need to do a kind of an actor by actor uh, breakdown like we normally do. But let's just kind of give our thoughts on on the the casting as it plays. Kind of this versus Infinity War, I think, is the best couching because this is the second time they've tried to jam pack basically everybody into a single film. So, Delvin, how do you think they did with the casting in this film? It worked better. It worked better in Infinity War because whereas Infinity War they had a whole bunch of characters, they were kind of Gelling together like, oh, here's Iron Man. Come meet this guy real quick. Oh, get to know him. Okay, this is what's going on here. And it was cool to see those characters interact. This movie, when it had benefited, it was that you have the original Avengers dealing everything right now. So it's kind of, they already knew each other. You didn't have to get, the only we had to go in this movie was Captain Marvel. And we got to know her last month. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so too. Yeah. Uh, the, you didn't get anybody new that I can think of. We, we were talking no. like there was Ant-Man's daughter. Correct. Since she was five years older than what we just recently saw her as. So that was a different actress, yeah. of course. Yes. But really, everybody was the same. So there, from... There were basically people missing, but there wasn't anybody really new that was added. Yeah. And even yes. like you mentioned mm-hmm. with uh, Captain Marvel, that character... One thing with that character that I read is that she filmed the Infinity... Like, she filmed her parts in this... First. First, before she actually did the movie. So you you don't get that same flavor of character, I don't think, from one to the other. Although, in reality, she wasn't really... She was in this movie, but she wasn't a major player in a certain sense in this movie. She didn't have screen time that, that the core group had. Man, man, uh, not at all. No. Um, I I was afraid that uh, they would try, at, you know, trying to get so many people into a single film that they would, like, jockey for position or have difficulties in overlapping or just having trouble writing it. And I was afraid they were go- going to have gaping holes in who they were going to include because this is kind of the swan song. So it's important to touch on most of those characters. But really... Who did they miss? I mean, Selvig wasn't in it. Um, uh, the assistant, Jane Foster's assistant, who I cannot remember the Kat name. Cat Dennings. Cat Dennings' character, yeah. She wasn't in it. From the Thor side, that's really all that was missed. Other than maybe, I would have liked to have seen the Warriors 3 uh, since they traveled back 
to Thor Ragnarok, there yeah. would have been a chance to accidentally run into them. I, I think it would have been fantastic, at the bare minimum, to have Thor run into Volstagg. Yeah. Well, it's similar, similar, similar like physiques at that point. Sorry, go ahead. I would like to see Agent Coulson. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, and yeah. not just that, but you know, talking about that, uh, Sam Jackson and um, and um, there Colby, were Colby's. Colby Smulders and uh, Thunderbolt Ross were in it in one scene for like two seconds yeah. with no lines. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh. Well, fantastic, and, and and these people were also here. <laughs> you, got, just, you got a little Aunt May in there at the end, too. Yeah, I just um, there it, it, you can't have everything, and that that while it made me sad, I I understood. I mean, you have to draw the line somewhere, but uh, yeah, I agree. I would like to have seen Phil Coulson. Um, I don't think they missed anybody important from the Captain America side or the Iron Man side. Um, they really didn't miss anybody else. I mean, they even hit on <laughs> Ned at the end of the film. I mean, that, uh, I mean. Uh, yeah, they got the bits and pieces in there. Yeah. You know. I, think, I think the big one they hit on that I didn't even expect was the kid from Iron Man 3. Yeah, yep. that was surprising. That was really surprising. Now, did you catch the the handful of cameos? I mean, obviously, everybody looks for Stanley, and this was going to be Stanley's last, so everybody saw that one. And if you missed it, you were either in the bathroom or sleeping. Yeah, uh, when it happened, I I thought that one was a little. I love Stanley cameos. It it didn't didn't. It's not that it didn't feel right. I mean, but it was not great. It. But that did that actual sequence of events happened to him in real life i feel like it did i, I read that somewhere like yeah yeah it just looked odd to me and it, it looked like it was rushed yeah maybe it was done during a time where he was already sick yeah because I'd... yeah it was a blink and you'll miss it moment yeah but what about the uh did did you see russo he was hard to miss I think I did see him. In the... Uh, what scene? What, the grief counseling scene? Exactly. Yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what it was. And... There were, the, there were a few interesting... This movie was full of cameos and callbacks. Yeah. And little Easter eggs that if you were like a Marvel Comics fan, you would catch like... One of the ones that I caught that I thought was really interesting, I thought was cool was... Well, since we're talking spoilers. When they oh, yeah. went in the elevator... Oh yeah! Yeah, oh, that was so of, good. Instead of instead of the cool fight, Captain America just whispers to him, "Hail Hydra." How many comic fans? How how is the split between? Oh, that was really cool, and oh, that just reminded me of that plot line that I hated with a passion. Yeah, that's, that's what came out. That's what came out. Like, oh, that's a cool little callback to that. Oh, there's a lot of little comics callbacks. The uh, little quote of the Asgardians of the Galaxy at the end mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. The multiple hammers from uh, the comics. You know, just just a lot of little things like that. But in that same counseling scene, uh, Jim Starlin was one of the other people in the seats. Why did you know that? That's cool. Yeah. He had one, one little line. One little line. And I completely missed it the first time. <coughs> Because I saw Russo, so it was like the the dancing bear that they always have. You see everybody dancing, but you don't see the bear as it passes by. So I'm looking at Russo, so I completely missed Starlin. He threw me off the first time. But 
<laughs> saw it the second time. It's like, yep, that's that's kind of awesome. He, uh, I'm still waiting for the next uh, Thanos specific comic book uh, thing that he's going to do. I'm I'm curious how he's going to end his story on that. But that's a completely different subject. Yes. But um, so, what did you think about? Um, what did you think about the balance? Uh, you're always going to have you're always going to have some people um, talking about the balance of male versus female, new versus old. Um, do you think anything was out of balance in the way they presented the the characters? Well, my hot take: I don't think the movie was out of balance. What I will say is, the movie was too long. Yeah. They could have cut a good 45 minutes off the movie, and it would have been perfect. Hmm. See, I, I'm in the position where I was okay with it being long. Actually, if it would have been longer, I would have been cool with that, too. Uh, when the What you had mentioned before with the Lord of the Rings movies and how they just were just inordinately long, um, I actually remember back in their physical reels of movies days, I built the return of the king movie and it was nine i want to say it was nine reels long so that movie was gigantic um actually no i want to say it was 10 there was one real short one that was the 10th one but all the separate endings at yeah. the end of the movie but oh my God. if if there is a pace to it and there's not just nonsense in there i think it makes sense but i i feel like if you viewed this as an homage to the 10 years, that the more of it you had to complete the cycle of all that, the better that it was. I, uh, That's true. I, 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 think, I think you're both right. Having seen it twice now, the first time I saw it, the three hours, just like that. Like, yep. it, it, I, in and out, it's like, is it over already? And the second time, the, uh, I felt the, the length of the movie a little bit more. Um, so first half drags. It is definitely oh, slow. Wow. It is definitely slower, which I actually kind of liked. I, I like movies that take their time to build up. But if you've got this giant blockbuster, I can see how that could really rub people the wrong way. I mean, you're not uh, you're not going to uh, watch uh, a river runs through it or Shawshank Redemption. This isn't something that that needs that build up necessarily in a lot of people's minds, but. I really, I really liked it because it it creates that feeling of unease, which you really should have. Yeah, I I, I see. Like they're trying to set up the feeling of almost despair in a mm-hmm. sense. Like everything was lost poorly. They did. Now that I won't talk about we'll that get later. To that, but uh, um, you're right. It was like a couple. It was like three things all at once. You had the first chunk which kind of set up the mood. The second chunk where it was, well, what do like the intermediate action sequences of what are we going to do to get to the end point? And then the last was the battle slash end point. Right. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like there was three distinct pieces to this movie. Well, that's pretty much every Shakespearean play and a vast majority of, of most of what you're going to see are going to have three acts to it. But, um, (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that in terms of casting, I think everybody got the screen time they needed. I'll I'll get to the exact positioning of the characters later when we get into the plot breakdown. I'm sure we're all going to have some ideas on what we thought yeah. the characters did. But um, I think casting is going to be actually one of our easier ones. I think that's really all we need to say. 
out of 20 points, Delvin, now you're familiar with this, what do you think of the casting? 19. 19? What about you, Richard? I was going to say the same thing, 19. 19. I'm actually going to give this a 20. It was good before. It's good now. There's not a lot that changed or evolved or you could change, you know. So. The, the only reason I'm giving it a 20 is because they added in several people that I would never have expected. Uh, getting the uh, Ancient One back in. Getting uh, uh, the other Asgardians that, that we got, or not other Asgardians, but getting to see Natalie Portman and Rene Russo. And, and Valkyrie. And Valkyrie. I mean, they, they pulled in a lot of people you... I wasn't expecting Jarvis. I mean, that was fantastic. Even if it was short, that yeah. was fantastic. Getting to see uh, Howard Stark again for an extended scene, even that was kind of awesome. But anyway, so I, I give that one a twenty. Now we're going to take just the briefest of breaks from the action. Ooh, is it time? It yeah. is time. It's, believe it or not, it's already been twenty minutes. <laughs> so we want to take just a moment. To, to plug some stuff uh, that uh, is important to us. It's, there's no ads or anything yet. We haven't sold out to the man. We will. It's not here yet. But <laughs> oh, it's not selling out. <laughs> but, Delvin, uh, do you have anything coming up that you really want to let people know about that are, are going to be eager to hear on your show? I have plenty of things coming up, but right now I want to make this about you guys. Uh, you guys are doing something really cool. Guys, branched out and started your Patreon. <laughs> Absolutely, we have. A Patreon? What, well, why, tell me more. Well, for the low, low price of only $1 per month, you can support The Pudding Guys as we release more and more content. We're attempting to build our uh, catalog of options that we offer. We're going to have, obviously, support for our YouTube channels. This all costs money, and we've been happy to foot it, but... You know, it always helps to have a little bit of backing, but we also know your money is really important to you. So we didn't want to create anything that was too impacting. So a dollar a month, that's a small amount, and that can really help us out. And it will help us eventually, hopefully, fund even more as we get the special database that we're putting together finished and get that ready. I'm still in the bees, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, may, maybe a computer that doesn't uh, buffer. Yeah, or... yeah. Streams things efficiently. I don't know. Maybe, no. maybe eventually, even down the line, a whole studio Whew. that is just set for our audio, where we can have guests come to us, sit down, be comfortable, have awesome audio with an adjacent bar. Yes, that is actually part well, of the plans. If you check, you'll notice I subscribe to your Patreon. I did. We are appreciative. You are patron number two. Absolutely. We we appreciate your patronage, sir, and uh, we appreciate you being on our show because we enjoy talking to you. Yes, (laughs) sir. I I recommend everybody. It's just a dollar. Yeah. Help support. I've always been the type to say support independent podcasts, help them grow bigger and stronger. Joe Joe Rogan has thousands, millions and millions of fans. He's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Let's go build somebody else up so they can build somebody else up. Exactly. So keep building this podcast community, making it bigger, better, and stronger. Make this our, our new our new source of network television. Get rid of those big giants. No, actually, I take that back. We love you, ABC slash CBS, NBC. If you wish to uh, advertise with us. <laughs> Let's do it. Feel free. <laughs> All right. So back to the good thing. Um uh, Director, 
we we move right into it. Um, Russo's. Um, they, Russo the Russo brothers have done fantastic with any Marvel property they have touched. Um, yeah. How do you think their progression has been from the other projects that they've done up until this? It's been amazing to see because one one of my earlier knocks on the Marvel Cinematic Universe was the portrayal of Captain America mm-hmm. in terms of like how he was in the Avengers. You didn't really see his full potential. Mm-hmm. Even in first Avenger, he was cool, but he wasn't where he is now. Mm-hmm. And when you got Winter Soldier, it literally changed the way how people looked at Captain America. Whereas people kind of was like Iron Man was the one and only guy. It was Iron Man and those other guys. That's how they kind of looked at the Avengers. Yeah. Once Winter Soldier came out, it changed everybody's perspective on Captain America, how they looked at him. Like, oh, Captain America's really a badass. He's cool. And I've always been a Captain America fan. I always knew the potential of that character. So when Winter Soldier came out and it really changed how everybody else saw Captain America, then it wasn't a fluke because then they were like, okay, Winter Soldier, everybody loved Winter Soldier. How are we going to top that? Let's give you Civil War, which is my favorite Marvel storyline. And they did it right. They did it right. They made it matter. They didn't necessarily do the whole let's kill off an Avenger thing. They gave you a story that was was maybe more impactful than the comic was because it was almost like watching a, a divorce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it plays I agree. a big part into Infinity War and Endgame. And one of the things that even touched on in this movie, because which is the perfect callback, is the fact that Tony says, and I think the Russos played a big part in this happening. He says in it like, if that wouldn't happen, if you just would have listened and not been so stubborn, the Avengers would have still been together and this would not have happened. And I think that was a powerful moment in the movie that only with that excellent storytelling could have happened. Yeah. No, they, they, you know, they, you're right. They touched on that even at the beginning where it's like he was getting mad. It's like, and you weren't there. Like in his uh, CGI'd skinny body. You notice that? Yeah, he was I did. like a, emaciated and everything. He was he was mad. He was mad because he wasn't there. He wasn't part of the team. He wasn't there to help. So they did draw upon that previous. So um, I I think the movie from a direction standpoint, you you're stretched. Last movie, you were stretched to your limits. This one pushed you beyond the limits, right? Because there's just so much. There's too much almost going on in this movie. Um, I would almost argue that this is the weakest of their directing capabilities, and that's not a bad thing. So, like, if you're if all your movies are A's and this is a B plus, it, does that make you bad? No, mm-hmm. that just you had so much of a high standard to live up to in comparison to that. If you didn't get another A or an A plus, that this seems like you did bad. But they didn't do bad. It's just I. I there was just a certain feeling I had in this movie that was different. And they filmed these movies, like Infinity Wars and Endgame, they filmed all as one big chunk. But they they did not, They to me, they did not feel the same. No, no. And that's that's to do with the editing process, I'm sure. Now, to kind of to kind of touch on what the Russos achieved, I think is more subtle than I think a lot of people consider. I mean, when you look at the history of comic book movies, the vast majority of them 
uh, have a very specific presentation and feel. They're an origin story, or they are presented as a spectacle of almost modern-day mythology as we see these greater-than-human beings do things that we wish we could do. And so you got the escape and the wish fulfillment, but it's almost always following a very similar structure in the way that it's laid out and the way that it's put together. So even in the early Avengers film, that's what you're getting. You get, I mean, yes, Iron Man was fantastic, but it's essentially an origin story. Captain America, the first Avenger, essentially an origin story. Uh, the Hulk, again, same thing. So you're getting kind of the same thing. You get to the Avengers, it's the origin of the team. Now, when you start getting to the other movies that are the sequels, I mean, obviously Hulk didn't get the sequel, but the, the Thor, the Dark World, still didn't feel like it had a different presentation in the sense that, I mean, yes, it didn't have the Shakespearean presentation of the original Thor, but it, it still didn't have that functional differential. Most of the other movies that you got didn't have that functional differential, but when you got Winter Soldier, it's not a superhero film. It has superheroes in it. Yeah. It's a spy film. Yes. Yes. And they, exactly. keep, they keep doing that in their movies. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has superheroes in it. It is not a superhero film. Now, you can't kind of get away from that in, to a certain extent in Infinity War and um, Endgame. I mean, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have to go back to the spectacle. But even then, this movie is not, to its core, a movie about superheroes. It's a movie about relationships. It's a relationship movie. It's like a, like a time caper slash relationship thing that like has superheroes in it. Like you were saying, like it's a, it's a different type of movie where the main characters just happen to be superheroes. In it. Yeah. Yes. And I that's... think the theme of this movie is, and they, they beat it across your head through the commercials everything, is how far you'd be willing to go to protect your family. Yeah. And your family, your friends... Your the, the ties that make your existence meaningful. What are those ties? How do you form them? And that they try, and that may be one of the areas that we'll get to that they may fail in, in going with some of the time travel. But they, you know, with the, the, the nebula and the nebula and all that sort of thing, trying to give you kind of a, a visual differentiation between, uh, between the person as they grow and change. But but ultimately, I really appreciated that that's what they focus on. It's the relationship between Tony and Steve. It's the relationship between Nebula and Gamora. It's the relationship between Thor and his mom. It's, it's, it's that's that's the things that your mom. <laughs> now we'll have none of that. This is a family friendly show. Yeah, so you, you're right, and it's all about those relationships. That have been cultivated. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I mean, I think for the controlled chaos that these movies had to have been in filming, I think they did a fantastic job. Even if it did maybe didn't live up to the expectations that some of us might have wanted, uh, I think they did as good as anyone I can think of could have done. Do you think Scorsese could have done something like this? I think there would have been more heads chopped off. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think maybe maybe Cameron, but I wouldn't have been happy with the product, I don't think, at the end of it. At least not not if I look at some of his more recent stuff. Uh, <laughs> I think these movies have made the Russo brothers 
who they're going to be now. Because now they can probably do any movie they want to do. Oh, yeah. And I'm quite sure, I, I don't know if you guys saw the preview for the um, the upcoming movie they have now with um, Chadwick Boseman. I haven't seen that yet. I, I advise you to look it up. It looks really cool. It looks it basically looks like Captain America Winter Soldier with no heroes. It's just like a spy thriller. It looks really good, really cool. I love Chadwick. He's he's got a heck of a stage presence, and I like his uh, I like the way he approaches things so far. Yeah, the, the Russo brother name means something now. No, oh, yeah. And I think I want to say this is what they wanted to do with Josh Whedon. Unfortunately, mm. it didn't work out that way. Yeah, I would I would have you know to be truthful. If if it were up to me, I would love to have seen after this whole Avengers thing, the very next movie that the Russo brothers do, rom com. I think that would have been. I would have laughed every every day up until it was released. It it would have it would have just filled me with a giddy joy that it would swerve people's like, wait, this isn't what we wanted. Uh, sorry, but that's just me. A superhero round come. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they did that on SNL already, I think. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I don't think there needs to be, again, much gone into more than this on the director. How do you think, he, uh, how do you think they did, uh, Delvin? Out of 20. Going 19 again. 19 again. What about you, good sir? 17. 17. I gave him a good, in the middle of the road, 18. I think uh, I think they did pretty fantastic. They lost one point because uh, Russo inserted himself into the film. That's just terrible. I hate when directors do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I actually didn't mind that at all. He, he did all right. It's the, it's the directors that, that, that think they can act, that can't act, and then that's just bad. But all right, so costuming and props is our, our next area. This is a hard one because the vast majority of this film is CGI. So... There's not a lot of props to really that are real props to keep track of. But uh, um, what did you think about their their design on the new Avengers suits, Delvin? What was your take on that? They look nice. You just didn't see them for long. No. <laughs> it was like. Maybe like the trailer. <laughs> the lift of the trailer is long. You seen them? Yeah, that was kind of surprising. And and even though it took you know Hank Pym sixty years, fifty years to perfect them, someone, some who knows, managed to create them in a matter of you know two seconds. <laughs> and, and and even and even an Iron Man slash War Machine version of those suits as well. Yeah, that that was a little that was a that's little a different part of the story. Okay. <laughs> there was some fun consistency with stuff that we saw from previous films, like the staff. That had the mind stone in it, right? Um, what about the? Uh, what did you think about the the Thanos armor? I know this is CGI, but I'm going to throw it in here just from a design standpoint. What do you think about that design on that armor? I thought it looked cool. I thought it looked how it was supposed to look. It was nothing really in this movie that because I see this is not fair because the expectation is already so high. <laughs> how everything looks in terms of like okay Captain America's shield looks like Captain America's shield yep. Thor hammer looks like Thor hammer it's not going to change you know um, everything's supposed to look the way it looks as long as it looks the way it's supposed to look it should be fine Yeah, and I, that's kind of what this movie suffers from everything looks great it's nothing 
that looks out of place really or anything like that. I, I liked the big sword thingy. That was that pretty was cool. cool. Yeah, I've never seen him wield that in the comics, so that seems to be a, a movie specific. Completely made up from uh, that standpoint. Yeah. But a good addition. I, I like that I, weapon. I think it fit the character because that was younger Thanos. Yeah. So, uh, well, this is not a part of it, what we're talking about right now, but I like the fact that there was a difference between the younger Thanos and the Thanos that the Avengers actually fought in Infinity War. Yeah. Yeah. Years and years of conquest to, to change the personality. That was, that was pretty slick. Well, what, what about uh, Portly Thor? Because, <laughs> of course, that was like the, the hair, the, the bodysuit. That's all prop. Kind of love yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good point. At times it looked good. Yes. And there were times when it looked too much like a, a prop. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was it was maybe not as realistic as it as, as it should have looked in comparison to everything else, but I I think that may not be the prop's fault. Um Chris Hemsworth is like a demigod in real life in how he looks. So if you cover that up, I'm guessing that's just the supermodel underneath shining through and it just looks wrong, you know, it's like I know he's much better looking than that. Yeah, so that's. They should have got the guys who did the Nutty Professor. Oh, ooh. Well, yeah, actually, that was pretty good. I'm, I was thinking back to the film itself not being that great, but the prosthetics were pretty decent. Or, or uh, the prosthetics were pretty good on Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah. Or coming to America, all the prosthetics and that were pretty fantastic. Oh yeah, that was, they were great. Yeah. And uh, Cork had a nice uh, pineapple uh, T-shirt on. <laughs> I kept going back to CGI again. <laughs> yeah. Eh. All right, so there's really not much to talk about in this because, I mean, they're, they're really, everything looked the way it should that was real. It's just so little of this movie was actual real stuff. Yeah. Um, and the stuff that was real was like, oh, he's wearing an army suit. Oh, <coughs> that, that's a briefcase. Uh, nothing that was key in my mind. Did you notice anything that was just stood out that was an actual prop or an actual piece of clothing that you just went huh that was an odd choice or that didn't not quite really. work not really I, I just i guess what richard brought up earlier about thor that's probably the main thing i saw i was like oh yeah that kind of had his moment where it looked off the moment where it looked good so yeah that's probably the, main, the biggest yeah. thing i can think of off the top of my head did you see anything else that was really big not really um i'm trying to think the gauntlet that they kind of lugged around at the end I think it looked all right. It was fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so much of it was CGI. Um, the Ronin sword was fun. The, the Ronin sword was awesome. I and the, that. the, the cost, suit. costume was great. Uh, I was so happy that they were they brought that that aspect of his character into the movie because I liked that little swerve in the comics. I mean, Hawkeye has changed so much over the years and done so many different things that uh, that 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 was kind of nice, nice little callback. Like that, this movie gave him a bigger role. Yes, he needed it. If anybody yeah. deserved it, he deserved it. Yeah. Or should we say a role? You know. <laughs> he was actually doing something yeah. this time. Well, I will a large, say a large chunk. Like yeah. he had a lot of screen time. And then the one other thing I'll mention, just the other thing that stuck out. It didn't stick out the first time I watched it, but the second time, the um, 
the suit that uh, Captain Marvel was wearing at the funeral. It there, there's nothing wrong with it. I just really liked it. I liked the design. It's just, I looked at it again. It's like you know that's a that's a really smart looking suit. I that is a pantsuit. Yeah, it was like a pantsuit, but it was all slick and nice lines, just mostly black with some white highlights in there. That looked kind of. That's like oh, I I could see buying that for my wife, uh, and then her not wearing it because <laughs> I. I don't think our I don't think our ta- our tastes don't overmatch, which is why I, I I just go with her as she chooses what she wants. Uh, that goes both ways, though. Mm-hmm. All right, well, out of ten, then, Delvin, how do you think we did costuming and props wise? Eight. Eight. You sir. I'll go with the nine because traditionally all the stuff is good. It's just the. There wasn't anything that was Amazing. grown, or and then the 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 fat suit. The was, fat suit, yeah. yeah. That's why I put. I I also went nine. The fat suit took away a point at, at times, but the rest of it I was fine with. Yeah. Um, location. Now this is a weird one. We're going to spend very little time on location yep. because again, the entire thing's in CGI for the most part. <laughs> and it's just just not much point in talking about location. I don't think most of them were from the other films or or uh, uh, that we've already seen. Uh, there's almost nothing that was brand new, with the exception of uh, Tony's hunting lodge. Yes, the, the lake. Yeah. And <laughs> the lodge, yeah. Yeah, and uh, a little bit of uh, shots of the city. Now, I guess that is one way that I'm going to start this off. What did you think about their presentation of the post-snap world? I would like to see more of it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the impression I got. They gave a couple snapshots and it was just gone. Yeah, it's all New Yorkish rundown stuff, like rundown city field. Uh, for some reason, everybody had houseboats around the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand why, but those might not have been houseboats. Maybe they were shipping cargo ships or something. Could be. Or yeah. if it's Fallout Four, it's both. <laughs> That's true. But there was a lot of uh, toolboxes in there with scissors and <laughs> s- screwdrivers. Cigarettes, just lone cigarettes. Cartons of cigarettes. Yeah. Um, Maybe some ammo, too, you know. What about, um, what about, the, uh, what about the garage? The garage was nice. The, uh, the little bit where they, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, where Dr. Um, Dr. Who? Not Doctor Who. I'm spacing his name. The comedian they brought in to be the uh, to be the uh, the guard. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Doctor Kent. What's his name? No. I I feel terrible. This guy's super funny, and I'm just spacing <laughs> his name. So, uh, virtually everybody that was in Community, which the Russo brothers directed quite a few of, have been in some. Uh, Marvel MCU movie of some sort. Yes. Kim uh, Ken Kim Jong. Yeah, that's who it was. He was in this one yeah. as well as um, she was in at the base in the elevator. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, that's where I name. recognized her from. <clears throat> last name was this her last name Brown. I can't remember what it is. She was in Community. That's where you yeah. saw a lot of her. Yeah, and. and uh, uh, Winter Soldier had uh, Winter Soldier had another of the members of the community as one of the Shield agents. Um, I, I remember. Yeah. Also. Yeah. Um, so. Who else? Uh, bu- 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 
I can't remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. Anyway, so this this is what happens when you watch two older gentlemen talking to a third gentleman. We're just going to forget half the stuff, and uh, we're not going to apologize. That's uh, that's uh, our years catching up Sometimes to us. Sometimes you just got to ramble a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna unless you've got something specific. Do you have something specific locationally that jumped out at you, Delvin? Nothing was pretty. Um, well, the final battle was cool. Yeah. The location of the final battle, that was pretty awesome to just see that. The, almost like a splash, splash page of a comic book. Yeah. The collapsed uh, Avengers headquarters that left a perfect corridor for Hawkeye to escape. But. Yeah. He, he's got to get out. Um, okay. What about you? Any any other locationally stuff? No. Nah. We always kind of flash over this anyway because location is kind of one of the less important things, and that's why it's only worth ten points. So, how many points do you think, Delvin? Nine. Nine points. I'll give her a niner. Nine points. You know, I originally put down ten, but now I think about it, I think I will also put it down for nine. I just don't get perfect scores on anybody's surveys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote me to me. I was uh, just that's that wasn't that was just a generic. Uh-huh, yeah, I, I see. I, I, it, this is the guy. This is the guy I have to put up with. All right. Well, let's go into where things actually get a little little meat and potatoes to so the cinematography because that includes all of the CGI that uh, works throughout the movie, the the camera angles, the placement, all of the decisions they make where we see what we see. So, what jumped out at you? I mean, this isn't uh, a movie with a lot of standard two shots in it. Uh, anything that kind of caught your eye that you think you should um, start with? I just keep thinking about the final battle. Yeah. How well that was shot and how nice it looked. How it looked almost like a, like a, like a comic book. Yeah. Coming to life. And it was so cool how they did it. How they made it look and... Yeah, it was just a big CGI battle, but when you got those big moments in it, it just looked so cool. It looked so well done. Yeah, it was it was pretty massively cool. Yep, and to have everybody, come, like everybody, be there in in some form or fashion, and when you have that battlefield and you have the people spread out, all their little individual figures are CGI, right? Mm. They they're not zooming out on everybody and filling in. They're just putting a whole field of people as CGI. So that really, yeah, because, I mean, there's like a half hour, 40 minutes of that stuff. The whole fight sequence at the end is just pretty fun. Um, you know, the all the interactions with Captain America and the and Mjolnir, like, it's all, it's all CGI, right? So, mm-hmm. like, that whole battle sequence was really fun. Um, the emaciated Tony Stark. Uh, that, that, I, that worked out well. Uh, Professor Hulk uh, was fine, not yeah, I, I, amazing, but fine. I had mixed feelings on the Professor Hulk a little bit. The presentation or the actual character? The effect. The, the character, they, they couldn't make Professor Hulk like the Professor Hulk from the comics. It just wasn't going to be able to happen, right? Um, yeah. On the plus side, the amount of facial expression and the amount of the ability to to emote that they gave the Professor Hulk was fantastic. However, it just 
it felt awkward, I guess. It just didn't seem to, to, to mesh real well at times. Yeah. Yeah, I think my problem with Professor Hawk was he just looked like Mark Ruffalo, just bigger. <laughs> he didn't really look like the Hawk. No. And Mark Ruffalo, he looked like Mark Ruffalo, just bigger. Yeah. yeah. Although I did really appreciate the little thing where he's supposed to break stuff and he just kind of flicks a car. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was kind of fun. And I thought that worked out pretty well. Um, and when they went back to the original Hulk, they did show that differentiation pretty well. Uh, especially because, yeah. you know, they had the original footage, but then they also had the new footage they created of him going down the stairwell, which was fantastic. Uh, That's pretty funny. <laughs> that, that was pretty good. But there were other things that were minor minor issues that I had, just, just small bits and pieces, because I felt that they went back and forth really well between the epic kind of large-scale pull-back shots to the, to the personal ones, but it's some of the finer details I felt that they kind of missed on on occasion, uh, like the masks for the Avengers suits. They looked weird. It felt kind of like... Um, I don't know, somebody interned and and <laughs> they were the ones that made the so yeah, there's their faces and I kind of sort of put it over the faces, but we don't I don't want to get it too close because then I might it it just looked really fake to me. That may yeah. have just been my impression. I, I think they've always had issues with that. And were we talking about the gosh, were we talking about this before with like the uh in Infinity Wars, like it, when Tony Stark is fighting uh, Thanos at the end, and like half of his mask is gone, and it looks really, really bad. I, I were we talking yeah. about that together, we, or we, were we was on the podcast? No, no, I think we were talking about that when we were trying to waste time at a place that will not be named. Yeah, so like, like that. There were there are definitely some weak spots. I in Infinity Wars, like when you had a lot of the talking pieces from Thanos. They were okay, but like the mouth movements were just real puppety. I thought, and. Obviously, that translates over into this one, too, where some of those speaking things, it, we're, we're not Jar Jar Binks here, right? It's, no. it's not that bad, but it's like, it just didn't seem complete, or it didn't seem polished. It felt nitpicking. Yeah, it's definitely, you know. But, well, that's what we're here for. We're here to nitpick. Yeah. What do you think, Delvin? Did you have anything that kind of irritated you? Not really, but... Maybe it's because it's what I already expected. Mm. You know I mean, you get to see this so long, you're like, okay, this is how this character moves. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. This is how I'm looking. I think you kind of, kind of just let that stuff kind of go when you get so used to seeing it for so long. Like, okay, that's how it, it's just how it is. Yeah, I and truthfully, that's that's most of where my nitpicking has to be is in that in that CGI because when it comes to the actual shots themselves. With one exception that I'll get to here in a second. I didn't have any issues with the movie. And I want to preface this exception that I'm going to make with... I feel I shouldn't have to preface it, but I'm going to anyway. Forced. Uh, it's, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree completely that a lot of the female characters have not been handled very well over the years in a lot of the Marvel movies. And there are some things that we'll get to this, I think, that I, I definitely agree um, that it's it's not handled maybe in the best possible way. 
However, there is one thing that greatly annoyed me when I saw it to the point where I laughed in the theater and I had to look around just to see to make sure I didn't annoy anybody. But the the girl power, here's all the women posing scene. I don't think was particularly good. It's it was forced. Forced. It it didn't did not make a whole lot of sense to me anyway. Although I did like the uh rescue if that's what they're calling her, that character. Hmm. That that was cool. I like that. I I can agree that it was forced, but it worked. Because I went to the movies with my wife and my daughter and my son, of course. And they cheered probably the loudest when that scene happened. And all the women in the theater cheered the loudest when that scene happened. Well, as long as, as, long as it worked for somebody, I, it's, I just, I always have that thing in the back of my head. I go, were, were all of the women waiting for this one moment to all line up? It's like, what? And uh, my, my wife was trying to explain why she liked that particular scene so much better. And she says, well, it happens for the men character all the time. There's all sorts of posing. It's like. Which is true. Which is true. It, it is, but it isn't. My, my counterpoint was, well, when it happens for the men, they're not posing because they're men. They're just posing. So, so I mean, I can see both sides. I had to think about it and chew on it more. And I, I definitely see both sides of it better than I did when I initially thought of it. But it, it just seemed I would have preferred if instead of having, like, the entire group, like, during the, the course of the battle, it organically unfolded. Where, like, each individual female character had that moment. And, and to a certain extent, they did. Some of them did, at least. I mean, you got that for Scarlet Witch, and you got it for uh, Captain Marvel, for sure. Uh, But, you know, just uh, and sort of for Valkyrie for a moment, but she was kind of more just flying by. But I would rather have had that just one badass moment where they did something that's kind of signature to that character, front and center, and you can even put them in a row. Have Peter running through or whoever running through and he has to pass and then it's through the battle he just happens by and you get a moment there's the wasp and she takes out like three people she's dead center then you go oh there is valkyrie she chops somebody in half you know something like that and it's more organic rather than and and there's mantis and she uh kicks somebody i was kind of wondering what like you know like (laughs) i I was just wondering what she was doing. <laughs> you know, it's funny you mentioned that because what you're saying actually happened in Infinity War. Yeah. In a lot more natural way. Yeah. The big scene where they're all fighting and all of a sudden they just happen to get together to fight against that. I forgot. I can't remember her name. Um, Proxima Midnight? Proxima yeah, Midnight. Midnight. That and I then, loved. That was fantastic. Yeah. There. That was well done. There are a lot of things that I feel like in some of the recent movies, not just Marvel movies, but recent movies that are just forced based on what current trends are or current things are. So, mm-hmm. like, one of the things which, yeah, yeah, I know you're not a huge Star Wars person. Uh, Delvin, are you a Star Wars person? Big Star Wars guy. So, like, the... Uh, the most most recent one, the uh, the last Jedi, like there was just 
those awkward, forced humor or awkward, forced scenes. Yeah. Like when Luke stands there and he gets blasted and blasted, and then when he's done getting blasted, he's like, uh, like, come on, man. Oh, like, I have a whole theory about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, there, like, it's just like things like that. I've seen pop up in movies. It's just like you're taking these things. Well, Justice League was a real big example yeah, of that. that was particularly bad. Some like the booyah at the end. Yeah, so that was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Real bad. I just felt like there were still some elements of that in this movie, too, that were just... You had this movie, and when they went back and did... They rethought, because the thing was shot two years ago. Mm. They were like, oh my gosh, we need to throw these little cues in here and here. So they were forced. They weren't part of the normal progression. They just seemed out of place. And not that they were... Bad, they were just out of place yeah. or forced. That, that's what I've noticed a lot of. Yeah. Although the one in Star Wars was bad. Really bad. But you know, what Marvel usually does when they have those scenes, like especially those pop culture references, they give it to Peter Parker. Yeah. Because it works when he does it. Yeah. That's pretty fair. It's, it it's, doesn't work when somebody else does it. No. Peter Parker does it because he's a kid and because when he said, usually when he says it, People are like, oh, God, Peter, stop. <laughs> it, makes it, it, makes it, it makes it a lot more acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But, you know, it, truthfully, if that's really my only, and it really is my only contentions with this film, that's, for the most part, pretty minor when it comes to cinematography. Yeah. And that and that wasn't even was that really a cinematography? It kind of was a cinematography. The pose really. the pose was a cinematography. Oh, yeah. yeah. And wind, the CGI was the wind in the air, <laughs> <laughs> where they freeze and they're all in the line because roll call. Uh, the panning over. Yeah. The panning over and then the one. <laughs> that was pretty bad too. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. Oh, there's yeah. so much in this movie, but uh, yeah, that that could could have been worse. Uh, uh, but you know, I don't know. For me, that's a 19 to 20. I, I think that's pretty solid for me. What about you, Delvin? I agree. 19 out of 20. I'll do 18. 18. All right. Now we get into the the meat, the the core. The the appetizers are done. We're into the the main course, the plot and the writing. Where a movie lives or dies generally, unless it's a Fast or Furious film, in which case who needs a plot? You have cars. Um, Hobbs and Shaw coming twenty nineteen. Yeah. I I wanted to kick myself in the theater because I've. I've not had any interest in the Fast or Furious, and every single little bit that I saw of them just made me more sure that my choice was correct. However, pick another door. I, I kind of want to see Hobbs and Shaw just because I really like The Rock and I really like Jason Statham. Well, the movie will be awful, but they're cool. Yeah, I, I might end up going to see it. I, I will, I will, I will see when the time comes. But. For this plot and writing, Delvin, you start us off. What's something that just is top of mind that that strikes out at you with the movie that we have to touch? The final act. The final act, I think, is masterfully done. It did flow. The final, yeah, the final act, I think, is 
gives gives you the best of what you think of Marvel. When you think of all those moments that just stand out, and all those cool character moments that made you lo- fall in love with these characters and Marvel for that matter, I think that's where it really stands out. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty fair. I I you were talking earlier we or we were talking earlier about how it felt a little slower in the beginning. It seemed to steamroll. Uh so as yes. as it picked up momentum it just going faster and faster and faster. I think that's one of the reasons I felt that the first time I watched it the 3 hours just went by so fast because while it started a little slow once it got going it never stopped. And it's it's just no wait, hold on. Like you're talking about the the scenes at the end with the battle sequences. It was like a comic book, and I wished it was more like a comic book so I could stop the screen and see everything. But I kept yeah. having to pick and choose what I wanted to see. You can focus on the whole. You can look at the picture of the whole and miss things, or focus on one thing and not miss that thing, but miss everything. Which else. don't get me wrong, that's that's good. That gives it rewatchability, so I can look at something else next time. Mm-hmm. But. Uh, it, uh, I don't know. I, I, I have to agree the flow. I actually like the flow for the whole film, even, even the slower parts in the beginning. Um, what about, what about with, let, let's, let's focus on some, some character specific stuff because that's, that's a, a lot of times where something lives and dies. I think one of the things that they made, tried to make a more of a focus in this film and you have to tell me whether you think they succeeded or failed, is uh, Black Widow. Yes. Her character development, was it sufficient? Was it good? What do you think, Delvin? I thought it was good to a point, and I think my grandparents, I feel like they dropped the ball then. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the fact that, okay, Black Widow is one of the founding Avengers. She's basically was one of the first characters to meet up with Tony and introduce him to this world. So when she dies, she should have got kind of a bigger send-off. That was my thought exactly. Yeah, she she had she got nothing out of this movie. They give Tony this big funeral, which is cool, which makes sense. Yep. But then they're just like, okay, yeah, Black Widow's dead too. (laughs) And Hulk Hulk, Hulk gets mad for a second and like, yeah. Okay, we're done with that now. Like, yeah. <laughs> so part of that is there was no, there was no weight, there was no gravity. When you in Infinity War, when they went there and he chucked chucked Gamora off, like you felt that gravity of the situation, right? Yeah. But in this one. When they're like, okay, team one, you go here, and team two, you go here, and like, we'll get the soul stone. Like, my immediate thought was, well, who's gonna die? Because, like, we knew that. Now, none of those characters knew that situation, but there was no gravity in the situation when they went to the soul stone, and they're just both like, oh, well, you go. (laughs) No, I'll get it. I'll go. go." Like, there, there was no weight to that situation at all. Like, you, you knew when they were going there that one of them wasn't coming back. You knew it. And when it was there and it was done, it was just like, okay, let's move on. Like, there was no, there was, like I said, there was no weight to it. There was nothing afterwards. It was like, oh, man, like, 
that just happened. Like it was just like, okay, let's keep moving. I don't think it's because we knew it was coming. I think it's something completely different. It's not something that's entirely this film's fault, uh, but this film could not do enough to rectify it. And it's that those two characters were two of the least developed characters. I mean, you had Hawkeye was in Thor for all of two seconds. He was in the Avengers, but he was technically a bad guy, or at least under bad guy control for a good chunk of that. He was in Age of Ultron, but other than the fact that, hey, we got a place to uh, to save... Family you know, man. And family man, you know, it, it really wasn't there. And Civil War, a little bit more, but not much. I mean, yeah. you never got much of a development of the Hawkeye character, and Scarlet Witch suffered the same problem. I mean, a lot of people complained about that uh, very little, little bit of development uh, from her history with the the uh, assassins that trained her. Wait, you uh, said Scarlet Witch. You're talking right, about Black, sorry. Black Widow? Sorry, Black okay. Widow. Like I said, old old guy. It happens. Uh, but uh, Black Widow, you know, her dark secret being, oh, she's uh, in, in been made infertile. Um, she's in the League of Assassins. Yeah, uh, and I, I definitely see two sides to it. So it's, it's hard to... It's hard to have that same kind of emotional impact because they haven't given us enough to get that same that same investment. Well, well, where like, did we have a lot of investment in Gamora? Yes, I, at least I did. I had more investment in Gamora than I did Black Widow. I think, I think a little bit more because Gamora was a little different because she was in love with Peter, and we we're invested in Peter Quill. So when she, when you see that moment where he when, if this is going back to Infinity War, you see that moment where he's basically getting ready to kill her. That was a powerful scene. Yeah. Because you knew that, you know that, like, they, they finally bonded, he finally got what he wanted with her, and he was basically having to give that up, and I think that was the last movie he's seen her, alive. Yeah. <sighs> I, I could definitely see that, that that aspect to it. I mean, but for me with Gamora, you see character development that you don't see with Black Widow. I mean, essentially, what character development has she gotten? She got kind of a, a relationship, but not a relationship with the Hulk. It didn't really go anywhere. It didn't really do anything. You got a little glimpse into her background. But how really did her character change over time? I think she did get some, but they took it all back. Yeah. And with her soldier, she was that's the most developed she was as a character. Yeah. And then with Age uh, of Ultron, they just took it all back. Yeah. But with, with Gamora, you actually get to see her change or slowly reveal how she thinks over the course of the Guardians of the Galaxy films and see her open up and become a more full person because she realizes that she not only once, but needs these connections, not just with Peter Quill. Peter Quill is actually secondary. It's that connection with Nebula, that connection with Thanos that she develops. That's where I got that investment from her character. So that's why it had an impact when she died to me. At least that. that yeah, even, in, even in Endgame, when she sees the second Gamora, the Gamora from the future, and she asks her, how are we in the future? Yeah. Yeah, we were. What she tells me, we're friends. Okay, she's cool now. I can tell her how I really feel about Thanos. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's a good callback. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think that 
death was a cop out, an easy way. Now the other, the other. So I, I just. It just had a, the whole movie itself had those similar types of impacts or lack of impacts. So, if you remember in Infinity War, so like they're uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision, they're fighting and they're about to lose, and then out of the shadows steps Captain America. You know, like the crowd when we watched it was like, yeah, and yeah. you kind of got that thing like, oh, like oh, they're in trouble now. Like you got that, <laughs> you got that excitement built up. Yeah. When they're battling in Wakanda and appears out of the, you know, the rainbow is Thor. And you're just like, oh, cool, man. And he just like starts destroying everything. Like you got that just like that. It felt like you felt it with insight. If you like the characters and you like this, is like it had that impact. In this movie, I just don't, I just didn't get any of that. Right? Like I didn't get the... Oh, now, when when they had the, the stuff with the hammer, with Captain America and the hammer, I was like, that's real cool. But that wasn't a, well, that wasn't a, oh, like, to me, it didn't have that same, oh, my gosh, here it is now type of thing. Like, it had the, the this is awesome impact, but it didn't have the feel it in your chest impact. You know what? Like, yeah. there's a difference. a couple of scenes where you can feel it in your chest, especially the scene, I think, that comes to mind with me is the scene where... You see Captain America with the shield broken. Thanos is standing there kind of like gloating with his whole Chachari army. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden you hear in Captain America's headset, Captain Sam to your Wilson. left. Yeah. And then just everybody come out. I think that was that moment. Yeah. I, I, I agree with Delvin on that one. I that, that that was that moment for me too because I was just waiting ever since they did the second snap. It's like, okay, where is everybody? Where is everybody? And they did good by making us wait, wait for it, wait for it until absolutely it's now one guy with a broken shield against an entire army. That was that was perfect. And because you couldn't get, the, because of the type of movie it was and the situation they were in, there's no way to get that other, that feeling unless you did something like that. And I thought, I thought that really definitely did that. I mean, yeah, they hammed it up a little bit with 3,000 portals and they had to, they, it took them a little while <laughs> to bring everybody in, but hey, everybody's alive. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was really glad to see Wong for sure, uh, for multiple reasons. I I like what they did with that character. He has always been one of my favorite underrated characters in the comics that I always really liked. When he's developed well, he's so good in the comics, and I like that actor not just because uh, he has the same name. But uh, true. <laughs> I think he, I think he brings out the the character pretty well, uh, and uh, that was good to see. Um, I did have some other issues. There were some consistency issues, um, internal logic of the film issues. Um, well, let, let's let's address the redheaded stepchild. That is the problem with most movies like this. That I think Endgame. And the Russos in Endgame try to present in a good way and then just kind of screw up because it's hard not to screw it up. Time travel. So how do you think they did with the time travel? I like the way they did it. I like the way they did it, I think, makes sense, even though the problem with the way they explained it didn't make sense. But if you actually get, I like, the thing about it that bothered me about it is you had to go look up what they were talking about. Mm. But the theory is essentially this. 
you can't change your own timeline. Mm-hmm. Like your timeline, your history is your history. But you can go back in time and make alternate histories if you don't do the right things correctly. Yeah, that's why America had to go back and put everything right back in place. Sure. So that's that's where I have my first problem. So he's got to go back and put everything back in place. So he's given a briefcase. He's got all the stones. So let's go to Vormir. Here's the soul stone. Easy enough. Take it back. Clouds. Sure. Okay. Uh, next, uh, we got the little little ball that has the other one. Put the thing in the ball. Put the ball on the pedestal. Everything's good. One of them was a Tesseract. One of them was missed. Cap is a human and has no way to turn them into their original forms. They never cover how they're going to go back to their original form. That's a big problem. Yeah. And, and why is the timeline that he appears in as the old man not a different timeline? Because he went back and stayed. Now, I somebody talked to me about this one. It's like, well, you'd have to just like stay in the house and never interact with anybody to not not create it. It's like, well, if you're doing a branch for any change, he created a branch no matter what. But who well, said well, there? Think, Go ahead. What I think he did was I think that he stayed in that alternate timeline and just can't use the pin particles to come back just to give him the shield. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. Yeah, so instead of coming like on the instead of coming back on the main thing, he just kind of appeared somewhere else and then went over and sat on the bench and waited for a second. Yeah. I, I can get behind that part of it. I don't have too much problem. But I also had another problem with how they presented it. So what did the um what did the ancient one explain to um Bruce Banner about what the Infinity Stones did? What was their purpose? Well, they create time space. Yes. That's what she said specifically. What did Thanos do at the beginning of the movie? Destroyed all of the stones. Yeah. So somebody is lying or stupid. Which is it? Or it was written for convenience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, little things like that annoy the crap out of me, uh, and just just make. Oh, okay. Let's say let's say that the stones were never destroyed, and they handle it like a comic book way. He thought he destroyed them, but they actually went to different places. And when Cap brings the gems back, they create their own forms, and we do the super convenient thing. They just do it themselves. Throughout the course of the movie. They have to go back a second time for the Tesseract. Yes. They fail the first time. They have to go back a second time. So he has to go back to New York to bring the one stones back. But then he has to also take the other stone back. The actions that they took still happen. Well, that's what everybody's theorizing. Whether Loki is going to come... I'm sorry, we we got you to break up there a little bit. I said that's where everybody's theorizing. That's where the Loki series, TV series is going to come from. That's what I'm hoping, in in the sense. But here's the problem with that: if Loki has the Tesseract, then that affects the future timeline, and that creates a branch. Well, well, that if Loki had the Tesseract, he already created the ultimate timeline. Yeah, it, it won't affect their timeline. Yeah. 
but his timeout he's in is screwed. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's really all... it's really complicated yeah. and and muddled. And I I understood they had to do time travel in order to fix this particular problem in this movie, but I really wish they could have found some other way to do it. They could have did it in a simpler and a shorter way. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just stop stop him from getting the stones in the first place, or or maybe maybe. And this is just I'm just spitballing. Uh, treat the Infinity Gauntlet like it is in the comics. So that anybody can touch it and they don't die. <laughs> that was one of the things that annoyed me also. It's like, why would you change it? Maybe it's to add some sort of repercussions for the use of the gems. But inevitably, you should be able to just kind of use the, 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 the glove to fix whatever. And then you don't have to time travel. I think, like I said, there was a lot of good things about the plot that I liked a lot. I liked the fact that one of the things I liked a lot about it was the fact that they didn't take back any of the deaths that happened. No. Like, Gamora, dead. No coming back. Yep. Loki, that Loki, dead. Anybody who died in Infinity War that wasn't snapped away is for now dead and not coming back anytime soon. I have a theory about the Gamora thing, too, because a lot of people pointed out, it's like, okay, so they brought Gamora back, but they didn't bring Black Widow back, a version of Black Widow back. And they, they still possibly could if they wanted to be, uh, you know, fun and do that. But I have I have a theory that I'm hoping is accurate, that when Tony did the snap at the end of the film, uh, my boys were like, well, he just killed everybody. So now he didn't kill everybody. He sent them back. Send them back to their time. That was his fix because not just the dudes, but the ships disappeared. Uh, I don't remember in the first snap any structures disappearing. So, so if he did it as a time travel thing to fix that particular uh, aspect of reality, which it would, and especially if he erased the memories, he should have done the same thing with Gamora. So that could leave a really fun storyline for Peter Quill searching for Gamora. He's never going to find her. That would be cool. Yeah. She gone. She's gone. That that could be I think that has a lot of potential to it and I think they're going to cave to pressure and bring her back because Zoe Saldana is fantastic and the Gamora character is fun and they'll find a way to worm around it that won't quite actually work in any logical sense. But at least you'll have the character. But well, that's what you this, can do in comic books, though. Yeah. This is what bothered me about all the announcements they made before this movie came out. Because they announced, oh, we're going to have a Vision and Scarlet Witch TV show. We're going to have a, a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show. Those announcements should have probably happened after this movie. Yeah. Yeah, they then they, they do it like uh, do it like it's like we're going to have a couple of really cool shows that are going to have direct you know ties to the movies. We're not going to tell you what they are yet, not until after it comes out. That would have been enough to whet the appetite. That would have been fun. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm hoping that with the Vision and Scarlet Witch, that they go back to the West Coast Avengers storyline, where they rebuild the Vision, but part of making the vision in the first place at least in the comic books is the, the there was the brain 
imaging of Wonder Man that was put on to the Vision. And when it came time to put him back together, Wonder Man would not agree to that process happening again because he was in love with Scarlet Witch and didn't want the competition, essentially, again. Uh, wanted a chance to actually see if he could make something happen. But so that meant when the Vision came back, he wasn't the same. So they can do the same thing. doesn't have the, uh, the Mind Stone. So it's the Vision, but it's not the Vision. That would be cool. That could be really fun. What type of stone would he have? No stone. He ain't got no stones. <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything else jump out at you in the writing? I like what they did with the characters at the end. I yeah. like how they clothed Tony's story. I like how they closed Steve's story. I like the call back to the comic books with Steve giving the character the shield to Falcon, which makes perfect sense, by the way. Yeah, I think that was the right choice, even though thinking of it in chronological terms, like, well, Winter Soldier technically got it before Falcon did, but it makes a lot more sense for Falcon to have the shield than it does for Winter Soldier to have it at this point, at least in the movies. Yeah, yeah the, movies, the movie universe makes a lot more sense simply because one of the reasons why is because Winter Soldier literally killed the person who made the shield. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, would, that would have been bad. That, that would not have gone over so well. With Tony Stark just dying, hey, the guy who killed your father, I'm gonna give your sh- the shield that he made. Yeah, that 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 would have gone. That would that would have been that would have been awful. I heard some. I read something else that talked about that Captain America would never have gone back in time to have a life with Peggy Carter because that's not the kind of guy he was. He would have seen a problem and he would have had to try and help. And in my mind, I'm going. It's like, well, I don't think. I don't think you actually understand the character all that well, at least as it's been laid out in the movies, because the movie Captain America is not the comics Captain America, for one. And second, if you take even just a moment to think about it, if he's going back to the past, he already knows all those problems are going to be taken care of. They don't need him. Not during yeah. that timeline. That's and, the whole thing I think that was, that that he was kind of saying, like, this Avengers team now is going to be okay. Yeah. There's I mean, no Thanos. <laughs> Well, and even if there is another thing, I trust in your abilities to handle this. And it's yes. it's your time. And that that's a good statement to make. That's that's the thing that allows for the growth that the comics miss every time with all the resets that they do. And I'm hoping that maybe the movies will accomplish something that the comics couldn't. We'll see. Yeah, the movie was just it's it felt to me like this movie wasn't filmed as one movie and split in two. This, it felt like this movie was filmed like a year after the other one was filmed. They, the, the attitudes of everybody, the way things are presented, to me just feels like this is not... It feels like it's, it is a separate movie you know like Mm. it's not a contiguous five-hour thing no it feels like a separate thing um i feel like this movie wasn't made to progress anything in a certain sense i feel like it was made for all the people that watched 10 years worth of movies and wanted a conclusion to the movies not to the 
storyline per se or like the environment that everything was in. This was just a movie to end the other movies. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I get it because that's what people kind of wanted to see. Like, there needed to be a conclusion. And this was a movie that was made to just finish everything up and just be done with it. Right? Like, it, it feels to kinda. me like a different air about it, a different attitude about it. Like, it wasn't as serious, not, not serious, but it just had, a, it carried a different attitude towards it. Like, I don't know. It just. It's hard to describe, but when you watch it, as I'm watching this, like even the first 30 minutes, I'm like, this just doesn't seem to me like like I'm missing something here. Like it doesn't feel like the other movies that were before it. This just feels like we're going to make a movie to just end everything and be done. Let's get out of here. You know, uh, it just. I don't know if I got that impression. I mean, I could maybe see where you're coming from, possibly, but. I, I I think that I think that it presented in such a way that uh, yeah they're trying to tie everything up but at least that aspect I didn't feel like it was forced which it's it seems like you were saying that they're trying to just just get it done and force the ending I, I I didn't get that impression I don't think they did everything perfectly by any stretch of the imagination no but um, acceptable even to I the <coughs> go ahead. Yeah, just to add on what you're saying, I think that the movie came off, and I think it was just to thank you to fans. Yeah. And it, at times, I think, to touch on what Richard was saying, it could have been a little bit maybe too fan servicey mm-hmm. at the fault of the plot in a sense, where, okay, we're going to give you all these callbacks and stuff, and we're not going to focus on the plot maybe as much as we should have. Yeah. 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 Uh, the, I would say that's definitely fair. And it's, it's also one of those things where, that it still gave us just it, it's it's like a collection of moments. Maybe that's where it's it's hitting you because it's less it less feels like sometimes a cohesive movie as just a collection of short interactions and a couple of battles. But those short interactions are so so good, like happy with uh, um, Miranda, Miranda? Tony's daughter. Yeah, Tony's daughter. Morgan. Morgan. Thank you. M M M words. That Morgan was, cheeseburger stir. That was really good. The hug in the middle of the battle between Tony and Peter, or the hug with his father in the earlier scene. That scene was fine. The Spider-Man hug was forced. <laughs> totally forced. And and at the end too, I am Iron Man. That was not good. That was bad. That I read. I thought the Spider-Man hug was good though. I like. I, I, I like enjoyed the it Spider-Man because hug. I liked it because it was Peter being Peter. Not realizing the gravity of the situation that he was gone, he's like, he's just rambling to, to Tony, like, "Hey, this, this happened, this happened," and then, then Tony just so happy to see that, yeah, this kid is back. Well, I was thinking, I was not not that one. I was thinking more at the end when Tony's dying. Oh, you talk about um, when they just basically copied the same thing from Infinity War and just made it Tony. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that one. Okay. Yeah, that, that one. That I was. Okay, that yeah, one. Yeah, 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 that wasn't terrible. The, the one in the middle of the battle, like. That one I get. That, yeah. that one's fine. That that, one's that, I didn't have a problem with that one. Yeah, no, that's that's the one I'm talking about. That's the one that matters. The the Tony yeah. dying bit was not great. I would have loved one last bit of actual Tony snark uh, it, when he had that snap. I mean, if it were me writing instead of going, I am Iron Man, which is the cheesy, cheap, worthless line. Uh, just, you know, something along the lines because he had just said, I am inevitable. And he just goes, not so much. 
that's a Tony line. Yeah. Anything, anything like something like that, just dismissive. You are not what you think you are. That's Tony Stark to a T. Uh, well, I, I had read that that scene that originally he wasn't going to say anything. That would have been fine. And for some reason, they felt like they needed to have some lines in there. It wasn't scripted. And it was in reshoots that were done in January. So, like, it was just a couple months ago added into the movie. Yeah, so it was separated by time, and some of the some of the feeling might have been lost. Yep. Uh, ugh. So, that, yeah, that wasn't particularly good. But uh, I, for the most part, I thought it was good. I think a lot of people... There, well, maybe not a lot of people. I read articles that tend to just enrage me. And I, I read, and uh, I don't know if you ever go on to Gizmodo and io9, but I. Once in a while. I, I read an article that uh, I think the title was something along the lines of uh, the women in, in Endgame received a major disservice or something like that. And it made me just want to pull my hair out that, that yeah. this person just clearly had no clue about what they were talking about. Where, either intentionally misunderstanding sections of the movie or misremembering sections of the movie uh, and intentionally interpreting things in the worst possible ways. I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt instead. And, and, but you know, it's not that it's not, uh, there aren't going to be faults, but you know, how, how think, awesome. That's a, that's a weird thing to say because arguably two of the coolest parts in the movie were from the women in Endgame. Exactly. Where, when Captain Marvel is fighting Thanos, is and Thanos trying to pull the same move that he pulled on Captain America when she's taking off the gauntlet, he he tried to punch her, and she just looks like, no. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awesome moment. Yeah. And then the scene with um, Scarlet Witch, and she's beating the crap out of Thanos. He has to call in an aerial strike. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's literally getting ripped apart. Yeah. That, that was an awesome moment. And, and you know, uh, I'm going to leave one last comment on something that I wish would have happened. When I first saw the movie, because we hadn't seen, uh, we hadn't seen uh, any anything from um, Samuel L. Jackson or Colby Smulders yet up till this point in the movie. It's like, where where are they? They've got to make an appearance. So when the guns go skyward, it's like, oh, I know what's going to happen. There's going to be a helicarrier there that they're looking to shoot out of the sky. Helicarrier cannot stand up to the onslaught of what's coming with the ship. It's going to try. That's when Captain Marvel's going to come in, save the helicarrier, destroy the other ship. And it feels like they just kind of cut out that little bit that would have made it feel like they had a presence there. And, you know, maybe they felt a helicarrier again was just uh, another rift that they've already done to death. Maybe, I don't know, but I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, I agree. I think. Something. Yeah. It oh. almost feels like we're nitpicking right now because of, there's so many moments they gave us. And it's felt, I guess it feels like. Oh, this is all nitpicking. Yeah, yeah completely. And I'm perfectly happy with it. I'm I'm tempted at times to re- rename our, our movie reviews just the the nitpicking hour because that's that's really all we're doing. Yeah. And and I'll say this multiple times: even the worst of movies are fantastic because it takes so much to put a movie together. 
And the effort and the time and the money and the planning and everything, it is a gargantuan feat to come up with something like this. So anytime I criticize, I do it with those lenses on. And generally speaking, unless a movie is truly bad and it has to be, it has to be undeniably bad, I'm going to, again, just look at it in the best possible interpretations. Like, I wish this would have been different. I think this is kind of dumb. I would have done it this way. But ultimately, we were we we're given a small piece of art, a small piece of sharing with uh, with a vision that a group of people had, and that's fantastic. All right, well, let's finish up with our our final scoring uh, in terms of plot and writing. Out of twenty points, Delvin, how are you going? This is the hard one. Yep. 18. How about Mr. Richard? 10. Ouch. That's harsh. Wow. I'm going with 17 uh, on mine. Um, so let's see what our subtotals come at. So we got, uh, we got 38, 46. This is the best part where you, you listen to me do math, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we do like throw in like like 37 42 89 39 yeah this this episode will go two hours if you do that i, I don't think that's a great idea <laughs> uh so it looks like if my math is right delvin's sitting right about 91 at the moment we've got uh, richard 28 uh, plus 18 is 46 56 66 73 82 approximately sounds a boot right and uh, i should be like about 92 if my math is correct um, so any bonus points that you guys want to give? Um, so this was something that I picked up on, um, uh, after watching a video and then going to do some Wikipedia, ing stuff. So if you remember at the beginning of the movie, when the Avengers are out and about and they're doing their work mm-hmm. and the report comes in that there is an earthquake, and it's the earthquake that's off the coast of Africa. And they're like, what should we do about it? <laughs> and she says, we should do nothing about it. So apparently, um, this could possibly be... Is it Namor? A Namor thing. <laughs> and apparently, uh, what the you know Wakanda and Atlantis don't get along very well. No, they do not. So I've said this before. <laughs> I hope this happens. I hope Black Panther to the bad guy Namor. That'd be fantastic. And I hope he does what he did in the comics because that would be incredible. It would be. So I'm you know if that was the case because it's glossed it's kind of glossed over because they take the time to mention and talk like say what's going on with it, but give no resolution to it other than, well, let's, it's underwater. Let it, let it stay underwater or whatever. So they actually, they talk about it for like 30 seconds and then it moves on to something else. You also see uh, in reading a little bit too, a little, a little bit of an interaction between War Machine and uh, Captain Marvel. Marvel. That that little look. Yeah. (laughs) Who apparently were a couple at one point in time. I'm just reading more information to this, but I'll give a bonus points for that little scene with those interactions there. That's pretty good. What about you, Delvin? Any bonus points? I'll give a bonus point for the ending. 
the, the shield scene. The shield scene, the callback to Captain America being old, which happened in the comic books and giving Falcon the shield and the whole line that went there, like, I don't know if I can, like, what, what was it? See if this one fits, I think it was. Something that like right? that. Yeah, I that was, that was pretty solid. I, I enjoyed that. Um, all right, so that puts, uh, puts you at 92, puts uh, Richard at 83. I usually don't do too many in terms of bonus points, but um, I... I'm I'm doing a bonus point just because of uh, uh, of a couple of different things. I really uh, enjoyed the scene where Thor intimidates what I assume is a 13 year old kid <laughs> over <laughs> over Fortnite. Fortnite, yeah. Fortnite. Uh, that was pretty fantastic, and uh, I also enjoy the fact that they did not do an after credits scene, not in the traditional sense, anyway. Yes. Um, I, I think that was a, a classy way to go for the most part, even though that they tra- trained us uh, like Pavlov's dogs to expect something after the credits every single time. But uh, I'd say I'd say that's pretty solid. So that puts you uh, puts you, sir, at a 92, which is a solid A minus. Uh, puts Richard at an 83. He thinks that it's a solid B. And uh, puts me at a 93, which puts it in a solid A and ties uh, my number two ranking at this point with uh, uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I had it a 93, so I think uh, it sounds like about right. Yeah, I I enjoy it. Still not my number one. I thought maybe when I was thinking about it, it might surpass my number one, but no, not yet. (laughs) Maybe one day. All right. Well, it has been fantastic talking with you, gentlemen. We will be back again uh, next week. Now, this episode will be on our normal podcast released on iTunes and Spotify and everything here on Friday. It's also going to be on YouTube on Friday. This time, I expect with video, we'll see if the computer uh, cooperates this time. Uh, <laughs> which we'll it, see. It did not wish to do so last time. And then next week... Uh, uh, take a look. We've got an interview coming up with a fantastic comic book artist. I will give a, a little more information on uh, our art. I said artist. We have some interviews with artists. This is not with a comic book artist. This is with a comic book ar- author, is author. what I meant to say. This is what happens when it almost gets to midnight and my brain just spazzes out. But uh, so we are we're going to have some good stuff coming well, up. When I went to watch this movie, it started at eleven twenty-five. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, three in the morning. Yeah, three more hours. You go there, and I'll be good to go. Uh, well, thank you again, Delvin. You got anything else to wrap up with us here? No, just make sure everybody who's listening goes to these guys' Patreon and just contributes a dollar. We we would definitely appreciate it, and definitely visit Delvin. He's got some really good episodes. His conversations are always fun and real and down to earth, and he's a, he's a good gentleman. Support this guy. Until next time, we are Pudding Guys and uh, Delvin Cox. Yeah, peace. All right. Peace.